I wanted to share a really, really cool story. I've been getting uh, all kinds of wonderful texts and stories sent to me on uh, Instant Messenger, and this is one that just came off fresh this week. And really, uh, as we're, I want to wrap up this morning our series on special delivery. Before I get to that story, um, I just want to kind of boil everything down to a simple but a profound principle. If there's one thing that's been in my heart that I want you to get uh, as we've covered this series over probably the last five or six weeks, it's this message right here. Uh, How many of you work full-time in the church? Raise your hand if you work full-time in the church. Okay, that's what I thought. How many of you work outside of the church? Wave at me. Get real high. Oh my goodness. Look around, you guys. Look around. Wave your hand. Work outside of the church. Okay, so isn't this amazing that for years what our focus has been in the body of Christ is we bring you here on Sunday morning and we tell you that you need to find some way to find ministry at church. But how many of you know we still need you to find ministry at church? We need ushers and greeters and we need children's workers and we need, we have all kinds of amazing ministries. We want you all to be involved. But how many of you have figured out your primary place of focus is not here in the four walls of this building, but it's where you are 40, 60 hours a week? So how silly of us to make everything about what's in the four walls here when really we should be helping you grow and equipping you and training you to take special deliveries out there. And when you look in the book of Acts, that's exactly what you find. The activity wasn't always in the synagogue. In fact, most of the activity was outside of the religious institution. It was God's people, full of the Holy Spirit, passion for Jesus, doing this stuff. In fact, most of the miracles in the book of Acts did not take place in a religious setting. They took place in the marketplace, which, can I just say, is an equally religious setting because the whole earth belongs to the Lord. If the whole earth belongs to the Lord, then where you work belongs to the Lord, which means when you go to work, you worship. And the people that God's called you to meet and reach are people you already have a relationship with, you already, you already know them, you do business with them, you talk to them on a daily basis. Those are the very people you're saying, God, use me. That's exactly the people God wants you to touch. It's not going out on some crazy wild goose hunt or something like that. It's, it's being sensitive to the people that you're doing business with every day. And if you're a wife and you're raising your children and you're meeting your neighbors and you're you know, doing all that you do, shopping for the family and doing all the stuff that happens to keep the household going, every day you're surrounded by people if you're just intentional that God wants to touch. And, and to me, that's liberating because it's not about, again, giving you a job in here. It's about releasing, equipping, breathing fire on the ministry that you already have out there. And, and I hope this is liberating. It, it should be a two things. It should be inspiring, and it should be scary at the same time. And that's exactly how this testimony starts. I'm setting you guys up. This is a cool testimony. Just wanted to share a story from this past week. Your special delivery sermon have really been an encouragement and yet a challenge to me. Can anybody say amen, especially on the challenge? Because really what I'm encouraging to happen is that we all jump out of the nest. How many of you are called to full-time ministry? I tricked you. How many of you are called to full-time ministry? All y'all. Everybody who knows Jesus, guess what? You're in. Are you part-time or full-time? You're full-time. There's never a part-time with Jesus. You're full-time. It's your life. We just sang about it today. So I'm talking to a whole audience that's in full-time ministry, but how many of you know that can scare us? Because most of the time we're taught taught to be passive at church. We just show up. 
and then we leave. But what I'm saying is it's much more awesome than that. It's about getting healed on purpose for a purpose. It's about letting the Lord transform you so that you can be a blessing to other people. How many of you know that's inspiring and challenging all at the same time? So here's what it says. I've been asking God how he can use me and, that I, and I would be willing to obey him no matter what. I mean, you know, those are two good prerequisites. Lord, please, I want to be used by you and I'll obey you no matter what. All right? Two good principles. Well, last week I was cleaning out an attic and I put a few items on Facebook. I had an air conditioner unit that I was selling uh, and a guy named Mike, a nice guy in his late 20s, came to buy it. We talked for a minute found out he was in the military and he was injured in Afghanistan. And he needed the AC because his kids didn't have any in their trailer and they, that they were living in. And the outside cats got underneath the trailer, ate the insulation out, making the room even hotter. All right, so that's the guy's scenario. So after he left, I felt I should have given him the AC. How many of you know that's called a nudge? How many of you know when they had the conversation, he picked up a few bits of information? Guy's a veteran. The guy's got a need for AC. He's got kids. He's been injured. He picked up a few bits of extra information. So when you want to please the Lord and your radar's up and you're looking for opportunities to bless people, you're picking up all these cues. I thought, he says, as I thought more about it, God clearly wanted me to do more than just help him financially with a free AC unit, but also help him spiritually. So I bought him a Bible. I gave him the money back that he gave me for the AC, and check this out. I also sent him a Visa gift card for him to use, and it gets even better. I wrote a card of encouragement, and I told him that God loves him, and that God wanted me to do this for him and his family. How many of you know that's exceedingly abundantly after the nudge going, hey, I am going to lean into this ministry opportunity? So a card Word of encouragement, giving God the glory. The reason I'm loving you and reaching out to you is because God's touched my heart. Here's your money back. Here's the AC unit. Here's a Visa gift card. And here's a Bible. This is starting to sound exciting. He wrote me back today, and he said when he opened the package I sent him, he just broke down. He told me that his life is at rock bottom right now, and he doesn't know what to do or where to turn. We texted back and forth, long story short, he's coming to church with me on Sunday, praying he meets God and experiences the freedom that only he can give. Now, where did all this happen? You ready for this? Through Facebook. Can anything good come from Facebook? Yes, if you're, if you're looking for ministry opportunities. But it was just a sense, and I mean, you know, sometimes we can miss God initially, and then when the AC unit's halfway down the road, we're going, ah, I felt like I should have really given him that. But you can make up for missed opportunities. That's what happened here. And let me just say, isn't it interesting, you know, our whole premise has been the goodness of God meeting human need. Isn't it interesting that this man's testimony was, I was at the bottom. Now, here's why it's a win-win for everybody. Was it a win-win for the brother who obeyed the Lord? Absolutely, because you're feeling like, nailed it. Yes, I heard. How many of you, when you actually hear the Lord and it's accurate, you're excited about that? Because we're all learning. I just want to let you all relax. We're all learning. This is not, you know, like we're all experts at. We're learning to be sensitive to the Lord. So that was a win. I mean, you know, that guy just got a major kiss from heaven, one that he'll never, ever forget. 
Because at his lowest point, somebody said, God loves you and we love you. And you know what? There's a lifeline that's been established there for this guy uh, to, to, to reach out even more and, and to receive more ministry. And how about this? Does the kingdom win? Does Jesus win? Does God get the glory? Absolutely. Uh, and it reveals the first point I want to make to you today. And this, is, this message this morning is really kind of a, uh, I call it a be attitudes. In other words, we want you to have these attitudes as we move forward together. So they all start off with B, but I want to encourage you, number one, can we be convinced of the goodness of God? We sang about it again this morning, and I didn't put the song sheet together. I just get amazed at how the Holy Spirit weaves the message. We sang about the goodness of God this morning. How many of you are convinced that when you wake up in the morning, this morning, you get out of bed, God is good? And when you go to bed at night, God is good. And when you're on your mountaintops in life, God's really good. But when you're going through the valleys, God's still good. And he's still working all things for his glory and for the good of his people. Now, let me, can I just share something with you? If you're struggling or might, you might even be stuck here this morning, I might be talking to some people that have gone through some rough times and you're stuck. Many people that are out there this morning are stuck. They've experienced disappointment. They didn't know how to process it. Uh, they didn't meditate on the greatness of God or on his character. And when rough times come, it knocks you off the horse. Can I encourage you? You have to begin with a foundation that the goodness of God is over your life. Surely goodness and mercy, David said, will follow me some of the days of my life. All the days of my life. And I'm going to dwell in the house in the presence of the Lord forever. Goodness and mercy chasing us down all the days of our life. That's what it means to be a son or daughter of the Lord. Now, some days it doesn't feel like it. Sometimes in life it's tough. Sometimes we're working through pain and trying to get our hearts healed. I get all that. But how many of you know one of the keys to keeping pursuing God is believing that he's good? You won't go after the heart of God if God's angry and violent and mean and disappointed with you. But when you know that God is for you and that God loves you and he's inviting you to come and that whatever's going on, he's gonna turn it into something good for you and good for his glory. You can embrace the whole package. Take a look. This is not in the notes this morning. This was from my quiet time this morning. I love when the Lord kind of dovetails things together. But look with me in Psalm 145 just for a moment. David gave us a secret here. Psalm 145, I'm gonna read verses five and six. It's, he says, I'm gonna meditate on your majestic and glorious splendor. That's a lot of fancy words, but what's he really saying? I'm going to meditate. I'm going to focus on your majestic and glorious splendor. That's a fancy way of saying this. I'm going to focus on the character of God. One of the greatest studies you can ever do in your life is to study who God is. And then you have to remind yourself every day because there's an accuser who always attacks the character of God. How many know the devil's always whispering in your ear, especially during the tough times? God doesn't care about you. If God's good, why this? Whenever you hear that, know that that's coming from your adversary. The devil hates God and he hates you. And so the, the, the character of God is something David would meditate on. And look what it says next. He says, your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue, and I will proclaim your greatness. So these are two things. We teach little kids this from early on, right? This is one of the most basic prayers. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. It should say food, but anyway, good food. Anyway, um, it's a good prayer for little kids, but it's profound. What are the two things David focused on? The greatness of God, that is his power, 
And the goodness of God, that's his character, the essence of, of his heart. He said, meditate on these things. Now, let me give you some bad news before I tell you some, some good news. How many of you believe that part of transferring the baton from one generation to the next is being able to share with our children in our homes testimonies and stories of what God did. So for instance, this man that just obeyed the Lord and did all this, he did this in the context of his beautiful family. I'm sure they talked about it and those kids saw God connect heaven and earth through the obedience of their dad. Now can I just share with you, this is the data that's coming out and it should be very disturbing. In the evangelical church, of which living stones we be considered evangelical, we believe in the, the word of God is inspired, we believe in sharing the gospel with people, we believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Can I get an amen? I'm only ready for this? That was a little enthusiastic, but I appreciate it. All right. Um, two out of every three evangelical young people, when they hit their 20s, leave the church, and this is a separate, never come back meaning they abandon Christ, the gospel, the Bible, everything, all right? Two out of every three. This should, let's just think it. That means we're looking in our, in our church this morning, and I just want to say this. This is not the testimony of Livingstone's church uh, to the glory of God, but this is what's happening in evangelicalism. So let us sing it. Two out of every three of our own. We're not talking about the world of our own. Can I just suggest, you know, like, Pastor, why is that happening? Let me tell you, when I grew up, the most powerful thing that impacted me was not going to church, hearing my preacher, uh, going to Bible studies. You ready for this? That's all important. I'm not minimizing any of it. It was the life transformation that was taking place in my mom and dad's house when they were living out the gospel and people's lives were getting touched. I saw that. I saw the before, I saw the after, I heard the testimonies, I saw the financial miracles, I saw the healing miracles, I saw God moving with power, and can I just tell you, this is what we pass from one generation to the other, not just propositional truth about who God is, that's important, but experiential reality of that truth when people take the gospel and live the gospel and pass it to the next generation, that's what sticks with them. Not just you say, well, Jesus is the only way to heaven. Okay, I get that, and that's true. But when they see God demonstrating his power, when they see Jesus saving people, when they experience for themselves the goodness and kindness of God and the greatness of his power, you can't, you can't ignore that. And when I went off to a nice evangelical college, I didn't have all the theological depth at the time. But I'll tell you what I had. I had a living witness of the goodness and kindness and power of God. I was so on fire on the inside. I, my brain had to catch up. Many people, it's just the other way around. Their brain's trying to catch up. Their heart's trying to catch up with their brain. My heart was already big because I was seeing what God was doing. Can I tell you, this series on special delivery isn't just like a cute little title, you know, let's go deliver good stuff. This is essential for transferring the gospel from one generation to the next. They need to see moms and dads engaged in loving people. They need to see mom and dad trusting the Lord. They need to see mom and dad stepping out in faith. They need to see mom and dad, I love Ho Tom's heart. I want to give $500,000. Well, he didn't have $500,000. And most of you in this room don't either, but his heart was, I want to be all in. Your kids pick up on this stuff. 
They can smell a phony a mile away. They can, and I'm telling you, when they get to be 20, if all they've smelled is a bunch of fake stuff or stinky stuff or hollow religion, they're gone. Nobody wants to play that game. There's greener pastures in their mind. We need to pass on the real gospel. And it begins by being convinced at the goodness of God. Look at what the Bible says on the screen, Exodus 34. This is God defining himself, just one of many places. Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. Aren't you grateful for that? He's slow to anger, and he's filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. He's filled with love and faithfulness. And look at what it does. He lavishes. He lavishes. He he pours it out in excess. He lavishes unfailing love to a thousand generations. And I love this last part. I forgive iniquity and rebellion and sin. How many of you think that's a good message to take to people about God? Filled with compassion and mercy, ready to forgive you. On your worst day, God is waiting to forgive you and to welcome you and to embrace you and to love you to life. For a thousand generations, he'll keep doing it. So let's be convinced in the goodness of God. In fact, if you woke up this morning and you said, how, God, can I release and express the goodness of your heart to people around me today? That would be a really great prayer. But it begins with a belief that God has a thousand generations of kindness to be released on people's lives. He's super abundant in goodness. Look at the second point. I want you to be burdened with me by the pain of broken people. You know, all those Hollywood folks that threatened to leave America, remember the last election and the elections before that and the elections before that? We need to send them out of the country. Now, here's why. Here's why. And this is why I encourage all of you to to leave the United States momentarily. Come back, but leave. You'll find we're not an oppressor nation. We're not a hater nation. We got issues we're working on. But we have been a leader in freedom and liberty and blessing and healing and restoring and giving aid and looking out for the weak and the oppressed and the broken. That's who we are. That's the way that we roll. That's what we do. And, uh, and we should be proud of that part of our heritage. We should celebrate it. That's who we are. When you leave the United States of America, you come in contact with incredible brokenness and pain, corruption wickedness, loss of justice and liberty, true oppression, uh, suffering, disease, sickness, starvation, hunger, and you realize we're living in the greatest nation on planet earth. That's what you realize. Not that there's not work to be done, but literally you come back and you kiss the ground that you just left because you realize that there's no place like it, which is why I just got to, I don't want to get ahead of myself. When you leave this country and you look in the face of nationals from other countries and they tell you, we're praying for America. Because if America goes down, we all go down. They recognize this is the last great place of freedom and liberty on planet Earth. And we've used that freedom and liberty to be special delivery agents to all nations of the world. And we're still using that privilege of religious liberty and freedom. But you got to leave. And I encourage young people, get out of America so you can come back and work for her strength and love her and, and be a part of the solution and not part of the, 
the, the, the poison that's going around young people today with what they're hearing. It's a great nation. It's an imperfect nation, but it's a great nation. And I'll tell you what else. You'll be touched with the brokenness of people around the nations of the world. And I think part of our problem in the church in America is when we're not exposed to people's pain, we get very insulated in our blessings. And I want to encourage you. You're not healthy. I'm not healthy. Unless I'm regularly interacting with people who are broken and hurting, which is why we cannot afford to sit back and just eat the gospel and keep it all to ourselves. You'll become a very selfish believer, bloated believer. You have to find people that are hurting, and you have to be a part of the solution. And the more you become a conduit of the goodness of God, the more you allow yourself to feel the pain of other people, the more fulfilled your life is going to be. So don't be insulated from pain, and don't be insulated from brokenness. Get out. Go, go to places where people are hurting. Look for people in need. Touch people whose hearts are broken. Be near to the brokenhearted, and the Holy Spirit will be near to you. The Bible says in Psalm 103, the Lord forgives all my sins. Praise God. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death. He crowns me with love and tender mercies. And look at verse 5. He fills my life with good things. Can anybody say amen? If you're here today and you're a sinner, which we all are, the good news is this. God is waiting to forgive you. I mean, you know, that's good news to a person that's far from the Lord. If you're here today and you're sick, the good news of the Bible is this, that God is a healer. And he wants to heal you. If you're here and you feel a million miles from God, and can I just say this? It's talking about redeeming us from death. You know what much of the insanity is surrounding this whole mask thing is unsafe people are scared to death to die. That's why they freak out. In case you haven't been paying attention, we evangelicals are being blamed for the whole health crisis because we, we won't behave ourselves and stay away from each other and wear a mask. We're being blamed. And so people will hate you. People will freak out around you if you're not obeying the protocol. But can I just tell you something? One of the greatest gifts God can give an unsaved person is the fear of death. You know, the fear of death is a gift if you don't know God. You should be afraid. But the good news is you don't have to fear. God delivers us from death. Every one of us as believers, this is what gives us the freedom to run into the battle and not run away from the battle because we know our future is secure. It causes us to do radical things. It causes us to be essential. It causes us to keep our doors open and to love people. He redeems us from death. He crowns us with love and tender mercies. And I like this. He fills our life with good things. Let's be burdened with the pain of broken people. Heaven's, heaven's incredible goodness and supply, the earth's pain and brokenness, leads me to the third point. Can you be excited with me to partner with the Holy Spirit to redeem people? I used to think everybody was excited about this call to ministry. But I've learned church people in general aren't that excited about this. We don't mind coming to church, but being the church is a whole different ballgame. And when I just said, how many of you are in full-time ministry, we failed miserably on that, on that question. Why did Jesus save you? To keep it all to yourself? To enjoy the blessings for you and your family? 
Or how about this? How about we're like those poor beggars? They're like, well, if we stay in here, we're going to die. Let's go out and face the enemy. And they go out and then God blesses them with super abundance. They say, we can't keep it to ourselves. We got to give it away. How many you know the secret to a satisfied, fulfilled life is not keeping and hoarding all the blessings, it's giving it away? How many of you really believe God wants to speak to you? Okay, good. We're up to about half after laboring for a year. All right. How many of you believe that the Holy Spirit talks to God's sons and daughters? All right, good. We're going to have this shirt come out, Living Stones. We hear voices coming out in the fall. It's going to be another I always like to... I always like to keep the neighbors guessing, like what goes on over here at Living Stone. No, we're not, we're not. But that would be a cool shirt, Living Stones. We hear voice. All right. Jesus said, my sheep, how many sheep we got here? My sheep hear my voice, which means if you're not hearing, that's what's weird. That's the problem. But when you are hearing and you're positioning yourself and you're surrendering yourself, you're saying, God, I want to walk with you. I want to hear your voice. I want to be used by you. Then you, you get on this exciting journey of partnering with the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but that's when life gets to be the most fun, is when we're working with the Lord and we're walking with him, we're partnering with him. You remember the passage we shared from Isaiah, he hears the Lord talking, God's having a conversation and God says this, who shall I send? as a messenger to this people. Who's going to go for us? And I encourage you by way of just reminding you, the heart of God when he's talking, what's he talking about? He's looking for a distribution team or a delivery team. Why? Because he overflows with goodness and kindness. What's he trying to do? He's trying to connect his heart with human need. And can I just tell you this? If we drop the ball, let this sink in. If we drop the ball and we fail to partner with the Lord, What happens to people understanding the goodness and kindness of God, the power of God, the greatness of God? How do they see that? Does God just write that in the sky? I am a kind God. I am a good God. No. How does he see it? I'll tell you how he sees it. Through people who give away their air conditioner, who give a gift card, who send a Bible, who take the time to write a note and be the hands and feet of Jesus. How many opportunities have we already missed in our lifetime? I'm not sharing this to put us on a guilt trip. I'm just sharing this to say, let's keep working at doing a better job and rolling up our sleeves and, and beginning every day saying, like, like Isaiah, here I am, Lord, send me, send me, send me. You're in ministry right now, right where you live, right where you work. It's your primary calling. You start with your marriage. You start with your family. You overflow to the people around you. Look what 1 Thessalonians 2.4 says. For we speak, the Bible says, Paul writing here, we speak as messengers. We're all messengers. We're approved by God. That means we pass the test. We have God's stamp of approval, approved by God, and entrusted with the good news. Can you personalize this this morning? Say, I'm a messenger. Say, I'm approved by God. Now, let's just pause there. Isn't that stunning? You have God's seal of approval on you. Can I ask you this? What is the seal? The Holy Spirit who lives within you. If you're asking, am I qualified to be a messenger, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. You're approved. God's seal of approval on your life. And listen, and you're entrusted. How many know you're entrusted with things that are valuable? When we're entrusted with the gospel, that's a huge... Have you ever given your kids something and just said, hey, make sure you bring it back where you got it and bring it back in the same shape? And then you go, Jesus, please, help. Uh, because sometimes we're not as careful with other people's stuff as we should be, right? 
God's entrusted us with the gospel. He's entrusted us with the Holy Spirit. He's entrusted us with our neighbors. And he's entrusted us for such a time as this. And, uh, and he's put his stamp of approval on you, even though you feel inadequate. In fact, I'll just say this. I heard this illustration one time by John Wimber that I thought was so good. Most of us right now, if we're honest, we feel very inadequate about the challenges facing our world. Am I speaking to the right crowd? Like, what am I to do? How do and here's the deal. You open up your toolkit, and if your toolkit's anything like mine, it's empty. And you're like, God is sending me out. I'm approved. Bob, you need to pray for me. Your, your toolkit's full. My toolkit, empty, all right? Open up your toolkit, empty. God sends you out on assignment, and when you get there, you go, wow, I need a screwdriver. And then you open up your empty toolkit, and guess what is in your toolkit? A screwdriver. But the screwdriver didn't show up until you got going to the job. This is how the Holy Spirit works. You're going, Lord, I don't know what to pray. Lord, I don't know what to pray. Help me. Anybody ever pray that under your breath? And then you're quiet, and then you start to pray, and then God shows you some stuff. Remember the prompts, and stuff comes out of your spirit, and the person goes, how did you know that? That's exactly what I'm going through. Tears. What God encounter. What happened? You were inadequate, empty, overwhelmed. I'm not up for the task, but you're, you got the seal of approval. You're stamped with the Holy Ghost. Which means, can I help you guys out? It doesn't matter how you feel. I feel weak. Great. The Bible says you're the best person God can use because he can manifest his strength through you. I feel stupid. Great. You can ask for wisdom. And the creator who knows everything about everything can flow through you in the Holy Spirit. Lord, I don't feel, I have a hard time loving that person. Great, Jesus Christ lavishes his love on you and it'll flow out of your heart to somebody else. How many know we're without excuse? We have the God seal of approval. We have the Holy Spirit living in us and if you'll be on mission and just trust the Lord. Some of my greatest lessons I learned at my dad's side. One time we're going to this situation, it was a traumatic situation. It was an estranged marriage the guy choked his wife. She passed out. He went, got gasoline, poured it over his house, lit his house on fire with the intent of killing his wife and killing himself. My dad has me in the car, and we're driving to the crime scene. I'm a teenager. I said, Dad, what are you going to say? What are you going to do? This is what he said. I don't know. The Lord will tell me when I get there. I kid you not. We come around the corner. There's police everywhere. House smoking. Uh, the, the lady, praise the Lord, came back to consciousness, ran out the back door. But my dad starts walking up like he owns the place, trying to find the guy to go minister to the guy. Now, listen to me. When you're 16 or 15 or 12, and you see your dad acting like Holy Spirit John Wayne... Can I just tell you something? That leaves an imprint on a young man's heart. It wasn't just the Bible study. It was the action figure. It was the person acting like everything the Bible said was true. Acting like they own the place. Acting like greater is he who's in me than what's going on in the side of all that chaos. See, young people today, we, we need to be inspired by people who are living out the gospel, not just talking about it. People delivering the goods, not just talking about it.
This is what changes the generation. This is why, by the way, we have 200 teenagers out having fun because they've seen the reality of Jesus and they're awakened to it and they know that this is not just some game. It's more to it than that. Let me wrap up here. Point number four, let's be confident in God's power to work through you and me. You'll never show up, you'll never step out if you don't believe God's going to back you. Can I just give you a secret? God's going to back you. God always backs up his word. God always backs up what he tells you to do. We can take that to the bank. Last point I want to make after I blow my nose. Hallelujah. I always love when I make a mess out of myself when it's actually being broadcast to other people. They do the, the side view with everything hanging out of my nose. It's, it's really a powerful experience visually. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help us. All right. Last point. How about if we become part of an unstoppable move of God? What would happen? I just want to ask you guys this question. I want you to dream with me. I don't want to just be part of a nice church. I really don't. I want to be part of a movement. I want to be part of something that's out of human control. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The early church was people who got rocked by God. And then you notice this? To get them out of the nest, he sent a little persecution. And then they scattered everywhere. And everywhere they went, the Bible says they they took the good news. And they preached the gospel. And they loved people. They helped people. Man, they cared for the sick. They they fed people. They cared for widows. They cared for orphans. They they went out. They did power ministry. They cast devils out of people. They preached the gospel. They, They were bold. They were daring. They were aggressive. Some of them got killed for it. But you know what? A movement happened. What would happen just with Living Stones, with, all, with our three services here right now, all of you, if we really took this series, you know, special delivery message, we took it to heart, and we really tried to live it out, like intentionally every day, and what if we, what if we could replicate the stories like the one I just read? I'll tell you one more story. I, I, had, a, I had a lady, uh, several ladies from Living Stones that went to Denny's this past week, and uh, the Lord laid on one of the ladies' hearts to, to take her God pocket money, which we talked about last couple weeks ago, God pocket, right? The money you've dedicated to the Lord, to, to, to uh, give her some money. And uh, she said, Lord, should I give her a 20? He said, nope. How many of you know when God says nope, it doesn't usually mean less? And, <laughs> and, uh, and she said, how about 40? Now, this lady did not have a lot of money. And, uh, and the Lord said, nope. And she goes, 60? And he goes, yep. In fact, that was what, what all she had. She gives this waitress 60 bucks. The waitress is stunned. She says, I cannot believe you're doing this. She said, yesterday I had $60 stolen from me here at work. She said, that money I was going to use for my son's graduation open house this weekend. She says, I can't believe that you're giving me $60. Like exactly $60, that's exactly what was stolen from me yesterday. Now, let me just ask you this question. Why did the Lord say nope at 20? Because 20 wasn't what was needed. And he said nope. How many of you know God's smart? God knows what's going on in this woman's life. He, know, he watched the person rob the 60 bucks. He knows that she's having a graduation open house for her son. And the goodness and kindness of God is trying to break into this woman's life. And 20 wouldn't have done it, and 40 wouldn't have done it, but 60 was just the right amount. 
Don't question the Lord. What if we just listened and obeyed? And what if we just stuck our neck out and believed that the Holy Spirit would show up and back up what God's doing? I'll tell you what would happen. This church would be so full of joy, which, by the way, you guys are. Talked to somebody this morning. said, man, I like this place. When we come to this place, everybody's so happy. I'm like, yes. How you know that's a good testimony? That means the joy of the Lord is in this place. The joy of the Lord is in you. We can't hoard it to ourselves. Let's be a part of a movement. I believe believe God is setting us up for a major, major movement. In the midst of darkness, there's going to be great light. In the midst of of people falling away, there's going to be many people falling into the, the lap of the Lord, all right, coming back. I want you to stand with me this morning, and I want to pray for us. And I just want the Lord to anoint us as we go out of here. Can I just tell you something? Some people get weary or weird with terminology. How many of you are apostolic? Trick question again. What does the word apostle mean? It means someone who's sent on an assignment. I'm not asking you if you're like the apostle Paul. All right, that's not the question. How many of you are sent? which means you move with apostolic grace on your life. So when we walk out of here today, you're moving out in apostolic anointing to do the ministry of Jesus. You're sent ones. We grow people, we train people, we send people. That's, that's what we do in the church. But we're all sent. And so, Lord Jesus, right now, we come to you, Lord. We ask you, God, for fresh fire fresh anointing, fresh vision. God, let the words from your scripture on this last series burn in our hearts. And Holy Spirit, we come again and we surrender afresh and anew. Lord, lead us and guide us and speak to us and work through us and show us where there's needs. And Lord, may we be increasingly sensitized to your spirit in our lives. Father, thank you for this company of believers that's here. God, you took a handful, 120 Disciples poured your spirit out on them. And Lord, they turned the world upside down. What kind of potential is in this room right now? And so, Lord, we cry out for a movement once again. God, the church in America is in decline. Awaken us, God. Let there be a movement again towards you and towards righteousness. Let us leave a mark, Lord, in our generation. And God, may what I shared, the data over the church and over young people, we say, may it never be the case over this place. We thank you that young people are going to thrive and experience and encounter you, Lord, that we're going to pass the baton from one generation to the next. And God, that the gospel in this house will be vibrant and alive and powerful and impactful until you return, Lord. May you do it, God, for your great glory. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Hey, if you need prayer, you don't know the Lord today. Man, come on down. We got some happy people that want to pray with you, all right? We love you. Have an incredible day. Marriage class at four, all right?